Hello and welcome back everyone to another episode of the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. I am your host, Richard Haynes, here of Manhattan Pacific Realty in the South Bay of Greater Los Angeles, covering Manhattan Beach, Hermosa Beach, Redondo Beach, and the Palos Verdes Peninsula. It is Monday, June 20th, 2022. We've taken a bit of a respite here from the podcast and the YouTube channel. It's just been that busy. 2022 has still been wild busy here in the local South Bay real estate market, at least for our firm. The interesting thing is, is that we're starting to come up a little bit from that craziness thanks to rising interest rates and both buyers and sellers starting to get a little bit nervous about the market. So our deal flow is tempering down a little bit here, and I've got so much data, information, opinion, et cetera, et cetera, to share with you guys over the next few podcasts. They're going to start coming at you here to hopefully help you navigate this market that is a little bit more up and down than we've seen. Rather than just straight up, we're seeing some cracks in the armor. Really nothing huge, but just hesitation from everyone. So we're going to help you guys navigate that as we head into the summer and fall months. I'm going to catch you guys up on a few items this week. And then next week, we're going to hammer some additional data, and then we're also going to have quarterly numbers. So we've got a lot of stuff coming at you, and uh, let's just get back into the swing of things since I've been gone for a while here. But to give you guys the three topics I really want to touch on this week, number one is affordability. If you follow my weekly blog, I wrote on first quarter affordability. These are super important numbers in terms of forecasting where our housing prices will go here in California and in the South Bay. Number two, I have May inventory numbers. You know, as we are starting to see the winds sort of shift from being all seller's market, only price going directly up, multiple offers, double-digit offers, et cetera, I'm going to cover the inventory we're seeing here in May of 2022 because if power's ever going to somewhat shift back to buyers, we have to see a rise in inventory to allow them to have that shift of power come back into equilibrium, okay? We're going to cover those. And then finally, number three, I'm going to do a much bigger episode on interest rates, but I'm going to talk about interest rates, how they can and are affecting affordability and where I see that happening with the next set of numbers. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. California Affordability Index, as you all know very well by now, I believe the Housing Affordability Index number here in the state of California is the best predictor of future home prices. What it means is the more expensive housing gets, and the less amount of people can afford it, the more you go, hey, pricing's probably a little bit too high. Do we have to plateau or pull back a little bit? And of course, the more people that can afford homes generally shows that we're undervalued in, in a market. And a little over a year ago, I saw California affordability at 27%. 27% of the population could afford the medium-priced homes. And during the run-up, 
In 2021, we saw that affordability go from 27% in one quarter and drop significantly to 23%, which as you get into the low 20s and the high teens typically suggests when we're overheated and maybe due for a plateau or a pullback. Well, if you didn't read my written blog about a month ago, month and a half ago, we have the Q1 affordability numbers, and that came in at 24%. So we actually ticked down from the previous quarter. And what was interesting was, is in Q2 of last year, we were at 23%, and then we ticked up every quarter. So 23% in Q2, ticked up to 24% in Q3, and then ticked up to 25% in Q4. And I'm going, hey, we are surging, but affordability is staying in check. And a part of why that was happening was interest rates were staying low, and the index that they were pulling from income with inflation, people's incomes were going up to help offset some of these higher prices. Now, fast forward a year later, we finally didn't go up again, but actually ticked down to 24%, showing that rising interest rates and perhaps people not already getting their pay increases, we aren't going to see things get more affordable, but in fact, they may start to plummet. And of course, we're two, three months after this number came out or truly was measured, and the interest rate world is completely different today. So a couple of stats for you, 24% of the population can afford the median-priced home. Back when they pulled Q1, the median-priced home was at seven ninety seven. dollars Today, we're already pushing 8 50 if you look at May's medium price number. So there's probably a pretty good hunch that we're going to be lower. And then the interest rate calculation was at 3.97%. That we're obviously higher on. I think what's interesting is, is we're starting to see inventory rise or read articles across the country that inventory is rising now because of higher interest rates. When this Q1 affordability number came out, I looked at the Orange County affordability. That's at just 13%, just 13% of Orange County residents could afford the medium price home. And I watch a couple of my colleagues who focus on Orange County real estate, and they're reporting on rising inventory a lot more than I am reporting on rising inventory here in the South Bay. Now, all real estate markets are hyper-local, but I think it's a good indication that affordability matters. And Orange County at 13% is far too low for its general population, where if you look at Los Angeles County's affordability, LA County last quarter sat at 20% affordability. That's nothing for us to be proud about, but 20% affordability is significantly better than 13% affordability in Orange County. And so I think people are seeing rising inventory levels in Orange County because quite frankly, not many people can afford Orange County real estate who live in Orange County, whereas in LA County, it's a lot more in line with the state, okay? I wrote here, I'm looking at my old blog post. I go, why is next quarter such a test? I believe next quarter is a massive test for our markets because of the surge in interest rates we've seen over the last few months. When we saw interest rates double, Back in the 80s, when baby boomers had their big fervor for home buying and were starting families, they saw interest rates go from 8% to 16%. That's a massive jump. That's a doubling. But that happened almost over a three-year period. 
Today, we've seen 30-year fixed interest rates go from below 3% to start the year to now we're almost at 6%, according to Federal Reserve data. And so we're looking at, yes, we're at lower interest rates than during the 80s, but we're seeing a doubling just like 8% to 16%, but we're seeing below 3%, call it 2.8%, to 5.8%, a doubling almost in just six months. It's been insane. We've never seen anything like that, and it's eroding buying purchasing power much faster than we've ever seen in the history of California real estate here. So my big reasoning on why we need to watch next quarter is because if the surging interest rates and we still see the median price go up, we may see one of those precipitous drops again in affordability, and that would be bad news for our real estate markets because we want steady affordability, more affordability, and that keeps prices in a good spot. So hopefully we can maintain this 24% affordability, which is on the low side, but if it drops to 23%, that's not terrible. But if you start getting 22, 21, and then in the teens, which historically high teens has suggested pullbacks in our market, or we've seen pullbacks in our market, that's when we need to start getting nervous. So those are the latest numbers for you. If you didn't read my written blog, I'm going to get back to affordability as the third topic in the podcast, but we're going to move on to topic number two, which I go, we need to watch inventory. And why do we need to watch inventory? Well, before I get into that is, is not only is kind of this shifting winds in the market that everyone's been reading about in the news, we are seeing it. A few listings just a couple of months ago, three, four, five, six offers when I brought them to the market. My last two listings just a month later than a couple of those, two offers, three offers, or call it two and a half because someone was going to write, but then they were outclassed and they gave you a verbal offer. We're now really seeing two-ish to three-ish offers instead of four, five, or six offers. So perception is really becoming reality. However, in most markets, there are still buyers who can afford the higher interest rates, or they're all cash because we're the South Bay and we're a higher-end market where some people just don't care. They have the money or the wealth to buy these homes. And so while we've seen less activity on our listings, there are still buyers out there for properly priced homes. Now, why do I look at inventory? Well, hey, we have been at all-time low inventory as we started surging coming out of the pandemic. And so for buyers to get any sort of leverage back, there's got to be more homes on the market, and not just more homes than we have today, but more homes historically for them to start going, hey, I can buy this other house instead of yours, and if they cut their price, I'm going to buy that one, not yours, and then sellers have to compete with one another. I'm going to blow this segment, but basically, we are not seeing rising inventory levels yet. It doesn't mean it can't happen at the flip of a switch and next month's numbers, we see rapidly rising inventory, which will be a sign that buyers may have some pricing power for once. But I have the fresh May data. Yes, we're on June 20th, but the full May data. And I pulled it from Manhattan Beach, 
Palos Verdes Estates, Redondo Beach, and Rancho Palos Verdes. I thought that was a broad brushstroke. And I looked at new listings, active listings, pending sales, and closed sales. And I'm going to get into some of this for you, both from a data standpoint and anecdotally, okay? So to start with Manhattan Beach, Manhattan Beach has new listings for May. I took May and compared it to the past four Mays. So May 22 versus May 21, 20, 2019, and 2018. In Manhattan Beach, new listings are still the lowest amount of new listings we've seen in Manhattan Beach over the last five years. Same goes for active listings. Homes on the market sitting on the MLS, lowest amount of active listings in Manhattan Beach for the month of May in the past five years. Pending sales are low because there's low inventory, lower than we've seen over the past five years. And closed sales are the lowest they've been with the exception of 2020 coming out of the stay-at-home orders when everyone stopped buying houses. So Manhattan Beach in the data, in the numbers, is showing no signs of rising inventory or weakness that buyers would have pricing power. Sure, there may be fewer offers on listings, but the inventory rising is not happening. From an anecdotal standpoint, most of the inventory I'm seeing in Manhattan Beach are properties above $5 million with a whole grip of homes sitting on the strand, which is a very specific type of buyer, and those aren't moving. Properties above $5 million that are pushing too much on price, but if you look at the tree section below $5 million, good luck getting a house. A turnkey home in East Manhattan Beach, good luck luck to you. (laughs) Lots are selling. We can't find lots. Builders are battling over lots because they've had record profits and want to keep reinvesting. Manhattan Beach is not showing signs of weakness. That said, I had a townhome listing west of Sepulveda, under $2 million, three bedrooms. Basically, that product doesn't exist. Off of Manhattan Beach Boulevard, we presented that. We got multiple offers, but it was fewer offers than I would have received two, three, four months ago. We still went hundreds of thousands of dollars over asking and multiple offers, but there's just not as many buyers out there, I think, due to interest rates and a little bit of fatigue on pricing. Moving on to Palos Verdes Estates, it's much of the same story as Manhattan Beach, partially PVE has started to mirror Manhattan Beach having similar medium prices now and offering a lot of what people want as they form families during the pandemic for that backyard space and more suburban lifestyle. PVE, new listings, lower than in the past five Mays except for 2020 during the stay-at-home orders, PVE lagged a little bit but basically lower by a mile over the past few years and active listings is essentially 40% lower than the lowest May that PVEs have seen over the last few years. So the inventory is extremely limited in Palos Verdes Estates. Pending sales are low and closed sales are low. Just 11 closed sales in 2022 due to that inventory squeeze. Now, 2020 in May only had one closed sale. Why? Because people just went, hey, I'm not buying property in May after the stay-at-home owners and PVE. They were nerves, and then boom, the property market took off. But again, anecdotally speaking here, I am seeing ultra-luxury homes sitting. Really expensive hill properties with big views over $6 million sitting. 
properties that are asking big prices for Palos Verdes estates not moving. But anything median price or below entry level in PVE is flying off the shelves. Sure, maybe it's not as many offers, but still no cracks in the armor here either. When you get to Redondo Beach, slightly different story. Still low new listings, but they do mirror some past years, and active listings are much lower, but not as significantly lower as we're seeing in Manhattan Beach and Palos Verdes Estates. And my thought process here is, look, North Redondo has some of the most affordable beach real estate in the South Bay. It does have the most affordable beach real estate, and those buyers typically always need financing. And if interest rates are rising rapidly, that is going to start to have an effect on North Redondo. You have affordable homes in South Redondo too. And so I am seeing not as strong a numbers, but nothing to be like, hey, it's a buyer's market now. It's still a seller's market, but maybe there's some easing coming to Redondo Beach. Anecdotally speaking, we see some price cuts on the higher end of sellers who got a little bit too greedy or they're sitting, but well-priced higher-end homes in South Redondo actually are still selling really well because they're more affordable than Manhattan Beach. And especially high-end homes actually in North Redondo, spec homes or big custom homes are flying because North Redondo is even more affordable than South Redondo. So you're getting these 4,000 square foot homes that are at a 30% discount to Manhattan Beach or a 15% discount to South Redondo, and those are still selling. So really, it's high, high-end homes in South Redondo that got too aggressive on prices. Those, you're seeing some cuts are sitting. But generally speaking, affordable homes priced well, they still move well, and really high-end, nice homes in North Redondo are getting multiple offers. So it just shows you how there's some shifts, but it's very specific in the marketplace. And then moving on to Rancho Palos Verdes, RPV is a lot like Redondo Beach. New listings are lower than they've been over the last five years, but guess what? Last May in 2021, RPV had 49 new listings. In RPV this year, 47 new listings. So not lower by a long shot, but kind of the same. So is there that plateau? And when you look at active listings, there's only 58 homes on the market in RPV, which is going to push record lows. But last year, there was 63, so not significantly lower. But to give you a perspective, 2019, 154 homes on the market in RPV. So we're at just a third of the inventory of what we saw in RPV in 2019. However, we're not getting precipitously lower, and buyers, I think, are pulling back and going, hey, RPV is a little bit more of an affordable market on the hill. Those buyers are impacted by interest rates. Are they pulling back? Are they taking a break? Is that starting to shift? We need to see inventory double in RPV to really give us any sort of purchasing power to buyers, but we are seeing a slight shift there, but much the same story as Redondo Beach. So hopefully that gives you a perspective on that. And so moving on to our last topic, I want to get back to affordability and interest rates potential effect to nail that marketplace. Now, what I have seen with interest rates is that 
The 30-year interest rate has gone from below 3% in January and surged up almost to 6%. What's interesting about our California affordability number is, yes, that would crush any market. However, CAR takes its affordability and actually uses a different index. It uses an effective interest rate environment. And what the effective interest rate is, is they go, not everyone gets 30-year fixed mortgages. Some people get interest-only loans. Some people get ARMS. Some people get 20-year AMS or 15-year AMS. And so they blend all the interest rates because quite frankly, if you're searching for a home and a 30-year fixed rate is at 6%, but you can get a five-year ARM at 4.2%, well, it doesn't affect your purchasing power as much. And so what we're seeing is, is a lot of our jumbo buyers are still getting around 4%. And just last month, they were sub 4%. And a lot of our traditional borrowers are going to five-year AMs, seven-year AMs, interest-only rates. So the affordability index may actually not come down as much next month because of the effective interest rates and how many buyers are going to move into different mortgage interest products. That said, medium prices maybe need to slow. That said, buyers may be taking a step back. But we've really got to watch that number because affordability may only go from 24% to 23% thanks to effective interest rates and the way the mortgage market works and how buyers select their different products. So we're going to really watch that and know that While everyone's freaking out about interest rates, they do need to think about that buyers have options. Everyone wanted to go 30-year fixed interest rates a year, 18 months ago. Now, not a lot of people have problems getting a five-year AM or a seven-year AM, and that maintains purchasing power. On top of that, as I've always said, sellers who have ultra-low interest rates, unless they don't care about their interest rate, which are few and far between, not a lot of people are going to want to trade out of their sub 3% rate and go into a higher rate on a more expensive home or somewhere else, et cetera, which is what I'm going to get into a lot more on the next podcast, really dive in deeper into the interest rate environment. So anyway, I'll put a little bow on this one. I'm getting back into my groove. I'm a little bit choppy. I got to get my ducks in a row and really start to try and break down this market for you guys. So thanks for being so patient, waiting for me on the next episode. I'm going to get back into the swing of things. I'm going to bring a lot more targeted data for you and hopefully break down additional topics here over the next few weeks. So thanks for joining. We'll see you back next week on the Richard Haynes Real Estate Show. Take care and have a great start to summer. See ya. See ya.